Hey, how many of you on this Easter Sunday know there's some things in life you should experience more than one time? Come on, you should experience one more, hey, a scoop of ice cream. She experienced that more than one time. Can I get an amen in God's house today, right? Um, vacation. Come on, somebody. How many of you go on vacation? You need a vacation from your vacation. Show of hands. Vacation from your vacation. Yeah, I feel like that. We have children, so, um, so we take trips. As a family, we take vacation as a couple. That, that just set somebody free right there. I'm just telling you, some parent, you just got set free. You know, if the kids are with you, it's a trip. If they're not with you, it's a vacation. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Sometimes you need more than one, more than one vacation. All the children are like, our parents hate us. Um, some things are meant to be experienced over and over. Just one more time, right? Let's do that one more time. Let's do that one more time. We have four kids. Our youngest is two. He's adopted. We got him when he was five days old, like a stork came to our, our front porch. And, um, and he was six pounds, two ounces when he came. All of our other babies were nine, 10, and 11 pounds. Yeah, my wife is a rock star. <laughs> a total rock star. And so we had an actual baby with like diapers, like baby diapers, right? The rest of them were toddlers. They came toddlers to us. And, um, but he's 100% in whatever he does, 100% all the time. So if he's screaming, he's 100% like in volume. Um, if he's playing, he's 100%. If he's watching um, Blippi, come on, if he's watching Blippi, this literally is him with this little passy in his mouth and he's got this fro of curly hair and he'll stand in front of the TV like this. And it does not matter what you say to him, like the whole house could fall apart and Jonas will be in front of the TV. <laughs> Just staring at it. Like he's 100% when he hugs you right now. Right now his thing is to go squeeze. So you'll hug him and he'll go squeeze. It is really cute. The only problem with it is his squeeze includes pinching. So he'll grab you in the back of the neck with his little you know, toddler fingernails and he'll go squeeze but he's pinching the life out of your neck. And it's like, you don't wanna not hug the kid because it's such a sweet moment, you know? So you're going, squeeze. Like, and you just know there's marks in the back of your neck. The thing that he loves to do over and over the other though is tickle. He'll come to me and go, tickle me, daddy. And so I'll tickle him and I'll stop and he'll go, tickle me again. And I'll tickle him and I'll stop and he'll go, tickle me again. Like if I, like we'd be tickling right now. Like I wouldn't even be here. I'd be at home still tickling him days later. Like this kid just goes one more, like over and over. He just wants to be tickled over and over. How many of you know though, there's some things in life that um, you wanna experience over and over and there's some things in life on the other side of that coin that you wish you could experience again. How many of you know there, there's a hug you wish you could give one more time? There's an I love you you wish you could say one more time. That there's a, maybe a situation you wish you'd have said no to that you said yes, and you wish you could get that again one more time. That maybe there was a financial decision you made and, and you're like, man, I wish I could do that one over again. How many of you know that all of us, no matter where we are on the journey with God, whether we're here and we believe in Jesus or, or we're like, we're not sure, we're just kind of kicking the tires of this faith thing, we all have moments in our life that are defined by regret. We, we all do, we're all common in that. It's the human experience that we all have moments in our life that we face regret, that we wish we could do this again or that again. We, we, we deal with disappointment from the regret. Maybe even there was pain that came out of the regret that, 
All these, all these feelings, and I don't know if you know this or ever put it together, but this is the feeling of Friday of Easter weekend, of the very first Easter. The, the feeling of Friday was a day of regret. It was a day of disappointment, a day of pain, a day of confusion, a day of, of how did we end up in this place? I wonder if you've ever said that. How did I end up here? How did I end up like this? How did my story come out in this way? This is this is not what I wanted. We, we find ourselves in the feeling of Friday. I mean, think about it for a moment with me, if you would. Maybe you're familiar with the story, maybe you're not. But 12 disciples, you know, they'd followed Jesus for three years or so. And, and not only did he have 12, but he had 72 that were kind of a part of the pack. And then, of course, thousands that were impacted by his ministry. But some of these people had, like, sold everything and, and gone all in and, and fully believed, like, this is the Christ, the Son of God, and, and we're in on the ground level of like the Messiah coming to the earth, and now Jesus is dead. He's dead. Can you imagine the disappointment? Can you imagine the feeling of, of pain and of betrayal? Can you imagine the, the feeling of Friday that we've all experienced? I think all of the disciples, all the followers of Jesus, was he, was he really who he said he was? Can we really trust him? Is he really getting up three days from now? Is it really going to play out the way that we thought it was? It's the feeling of Friday. It's the hurt of Friday. And we've all been there. We've all been there. It's part of the human experience. And I was thinking about one person, individual in particular in the Bible, who really felt the weight of Friday, I think, in a way that all of us experience those Friday moments in our life. And it's a guy named Peter. Peter's one of my favorite characters in all the Bible because he's, he's a little bit of a hothead, um, he carried a knife. I kind of like that about Peter. You need people in your corner. Like you need somebody in your corner that'll cut you, cut people for you. Are you like, you following me? Like Peter's a little bit hood, a little bit Jesus. I think the combination, you can build a great church with those kind of people. If that's you, welcome. Welcome to the family. We want you here. I want you here. But, but the scene is this, is that Jesus is at the Lord's Supper. It's, it's the communion that we practice today. Um, and you've maybe seen the pictures or seen it on a movie, but he's at the Lord's Supper. And in this supper that night, he tells Peter, he says, listen, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter's like, no, I'm your boy. Like, I'm not denying you. I'm with you. We are ride or die, thick and thin. I'm in this for blood. Like, we're all the way. And he's like, all right, Peter, but you're gonna deny me three times before in the morning. And so Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was praying. Judas betrayed him. And, and that's the place where Peter cut a dude's ear off. Y'all need to read your Bible. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, one of his guys cut a dude's ear off. Jesus puts his ear on and he's like, Peter, put the blade away. We don't need that right now. That's not what we're about. And, um, and so then they haul Jesus off and he goes through these different trials and he ends up at this place called Caiaphas' house. And they're, they're wanting to like sentence him so that they can crucify him because they just want to get rid of him. And, and while he's there in that, that setting, it's a, it's a courtyard outside of the house there in Jerusalem. And, and while he's there in the courtyard, a little girl comes up to Peter and says, you, wait, you're one of the followers of Christ. And, and he's like, no, 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 I don't have anything to do with him. And then another person comes along and said, no, you did, you followed him. And he's like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't know anything about him. And a third person comes along to him and says, no, you're, you followed the Christ, Jesus, the Nazarene. And, and this is Peter's response. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And listen to this next sentence. 
And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Have you ever had that moment in life where you got some news, where someone said something to you, you got the call, and you could feel your heart sink to your feet? I have to imagine this is where, what happened to Peter. The rooster crowed while he's saying the words, y'all. The rooster crows. And then this has to be the, the most painful part. He said, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Jesus is having all these accusations put him at him. There's, a, there's another story happening off to the side while Peter is around a fire and there, you know him, no I don't, you know him, no I don't, you know him, no I don't. And as soon as the rooster crowed, Peter denied him three times and Jesus looks back at him and catches eye contact. It's one thing to disappoint somebody, it's another thing to have to face them. It's like when I was a kid, when I knew I had to come home and they had already told my mom what I did. Come on, somebody. Anybody was like, I just, I'm like, could I stay after school? Could I clean up around the yard? Do you need me to pick up mulch? Like anything I can do before I go home? Can you imagine the feeling of Friday for Peter? Feeling of disappointment. And I think we've all been there. We've all been in that moment where it's discouragement, it's regret. It's pain, it's hurt, it's confusion. And when, when we're in those moments, those moments blind us. They blind us from believing that anything could get better. I imagine Peter thought in his mind, all right, even if he is the Christ and even if he does get back up out of the grave, even if all this was real, it's never gonna be back right again. Like, will he ever accept me back? Could it ever return to a better place? Could it ever become something better than it is right now? And I'm so convinced that Peter thought this because of this verse in Mark. The Bible says that Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And the, the rest of them are like, well, we'll come too. And the Bible says they caught nothing all night. And you're like, well, pastor, what does that have to do? Maybe fishing is how he blew off steam. Maybe he wasn't into golf, he was into fishing. And we, now what you've got to understand is fishing is the very thing that Jesus had called Peter out of to become a follower of him. And so now the feeling of Friday, the disappointment, the regret, now he finds himself going back to the very thing that Jesus had called him out of, finds him returning. I imagine Peter had to think, there's no way he could want me. There's no way he could use me again. There's no way he could work in and through my life. And I believe for some of you, you're living in a Friday moment right now. And you're thinking, this is just my lot in life. This is just the way it's gonna be. This is just my story. It can never be better than this. It can never get better than this this. God could never redeem my situation. And so you're just going back fishing. You're living all the knots. This is not what I planned. This is not what I expected. This is not the life that I wanted to live. This is not the marriage I dreamed of. This is not where I thought I'd be in my career at this point in my life. I did not expect to be single again now. I did not expect for parenting to go this way. I did not expect to be having depression at this level in my life. I did not expect to ever be anyone that would have ideations of suicide. 
I did not expect to be addicted again to this. And the regret of Friday will so cloud your perspective to believe that anything could ever get better. But I just come to tell you that Easter is proof that dead things in your life can come to life. I, I, love, what, I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, Easter is death working backwards. Easter is death working backwards. If there's anything I want to sink into your heart and into your mind today, it's this, is that Jesus makes dead things come to life. That Easter, that, that maybe you have celebrated Easter before, but you've never experienced Easter. Easter is not just the historical reality that Jesus got up out of the grave. Easter is the reality that his death, burial, and resurrection can cause dead things to come to life in us. That that marriage that is dead can come back to life. That that parenting area that feels dead can come back to life. That you don't have to live addicted to the things of yesterday, to the mistakes of your past. You can have life in Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it this way in the book of Romans. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. When you receive Christ, when you entered this spiritual journey that God wants to take you on, when you receive him, the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Here's what that means. Whatever amount of spirit it took to get Jesus up out of the dead, is the same spirit that's available to everything in your life. And this is why some of you live so frustrated, is because you've tried your very best. You've given your best effort. You've turned over a new leaf. You've, you've made some resolutions. Remember those back in January? Some of you gotta think about it for a minute. And it hasn't worked. It's because you don't need what you can do in the natural. You need something that is supernatural. You don't need something of this earth. Come on, you need something that is outside of this earth to bring about the change on the inside of you. Can I give you the Daniel version of this? First Daniel 1 Daniel 1.1. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. He, did, he didn't come to just make you, listen, listen to me, you gotta get this. Jesus didn't come to make you a better version of yourself. I'm all about growth, I'm all about getting better, and I'm all about being different to tomorrow than I am today and a year from now. I'm all about those things, but Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come alive. He didn't just come to make you a better version of you or, or help you uh, meet your resolutions and your goals and, and be a better person and be a nicer and a little less angry and, and not speed so much. And No, no, no. There's something dead on the inside of us and we are without hope, without the person of Jesus and he came to make those dead things come back to life. You need resurrection power. You don't need a good service. You don't need a nice song. You don't need little goosebumps on the back of your neck. You need the resurrection power of Jesus to encounter your life. 
Some of you have celebrated Easter, and that's wonderful. But have you experienced it? Like, have you personally experienced it? Has it changed you from the inside out? I love Delante's story. I love the story of change that Jesus can do. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, I'm not a drug addict. I don't deal drugs. I haven't been in prison. You're still dead inside without Christ. I love that he said after he got baptized, he goes, I tried to think of all the good things I'd done and nothing compared. Can I just tell you, I don't care how much you've earned. I don't care what neighborhood you finally got into, the car you finally wanted, the promotions you've had, the school you got accepted into, the team you made. Nothing compares to knowing Christ. Nothing compares to it. Revelation chapter 1, 18 says this. He said, I am the living one. It's what separates Jesus from all other religious leaders is he's not still in the grave, y'all. He said, I was dead and now look. He's like, look at your boy. I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Y'all, our God's so bad, he like beat up the devil and took the keys to his own house. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying about... I got locked out of my car last night, everybody. I locked out of my car. Um, it was running, and uh, I blame it on the kids. But uh, I, was, I preached the 6 p.m. last night in Richmond, and we got done with church, and the car was running, and it was locked. And, um, and so we were like, we were supposed to go to dinner, and, and um, we're trying to figure out how to get in. I know I didn't know I had a spare key. Tammy didn't have a spare key. And so the keys are inside of it, and it's locked. And so we do what everybody does, you know, you're like, I don't know why, you look in the window, like that's gonna unlock it. Like, <laughs> come on, everybody does that, right? You're gonna look in the window, right? Go around to the trunk. I got an SUV because I have a lot of children. And, uh, and so go around, try to open up the back of the trunk. That doesn't work. And, um, and so my assistant, Amy, remember, I have OnStar on the car. I can call OnStar. And if I give them the number and the code, then get this, a little creepy, but I was thankful for it last night, OnStar can unlock my car. And so we were on our way. And I was thinking about this as it relates to this verse, is that the car is my car. Everything inside the car is my car, is mine. It's all my possession. But I could not get into it because I did not have a key. And I think some of you are living your life and you have all this inheritance that God wants to give you. And you're walking around the car looking at blessing and looking at peace. And you're looking in the window of freedom from anxiety and freedom from depression, but you don't have the key. And I just came to tell you, he got up out of the grave and you have a heavenly OnStar. And if you'll just dial him up today, I'm telling you, he can unlock everything that you've been needing in your life. The peace that you've been needing the hope that you've been needing, the freedom from your yesterdays, all you need to your tomorrows are found in Jesus. He's got the key to death, hell, and the grave. Somebody needs to call your heavenly on-star. Come on, give him praise in this house today. See, Jesus is the difference between the life you're living and the life you could be living.
He's the difference between the life you're living and the life you could be living. See, eternity has been placed in the hearts of all men and women. Whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, whether you're here and you're not sure about faith or any of this, the Bible says that eternity has been placed in your heart. There is something in you that goes, there's more than what I'm living. And you may not believe Jesus is the solution to that, but you are searching for it. And you search for it in pleasure and you search for it in relationships and you search for it. Maybe the next promotion, maybe the next raise, maybe the next possession, maybe the next experience, maybe the next vacation. Maybe if I could just go here, do that, meet that person. Because eternity has been placed in your heart. And I'm just proposing today that Jesus can close the gap between the life you're living and the life you could be living. He has the key. Some of you may be thinking, well, Pastor, I'm too far gone. Like I've tried and failed too many times. I've wanted to seek after God, but it's not always worked for me. I'm only here because it's what mama wanted for Easter and mama gets what she wants on Easter. Come on, one day out of the year and on Mother's Day, really two days out of the year. Let's be real, every day of the year mama gets. And I don't know that God would want to work in my life in that way. I don't know if I, don't know if I can have that. I just want you to know Easter is all about one more time. Jesus says, get up one more time. And we see it so clearly in this passage in Mark. I love it because I just love it. It shows the heart of God to you, to me, and to Peter. They've come to the tomb. It's empty. The angel shows up, and they're scared, as all of us would be. And he says, don't be alarmed, the angel said. He said, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Listen to this, but go tell his disciples and let Peter know too. Now, now, you gotta understand, Peter was one of the 12, so the angel didn't need to say, and Peter. But I think it displays the heart of God for us. I think God had saw the anguish that Peter was in on Friday and saw the disappointment that overwhelmed him on Saturday, and, and saw the sleepless night, and saw Peter replaying over and over again in his mind when Jesus locked eyes with him. And I imagine the rooster kept crowing in his mind over and over, and the regret, and the disappointment, and the hurt, and the pain, and the questions, and the confusion. And the angel says, hey, I wanna make sure, not only do the disciples know, but let Peter know. Let Peter know I'm not done with him. Let Peter know I've got a plan for him. Make sure Peter knows. I want to lift it off of Peter. I want him to know there's no far, there's no distance he's gone that is outside the reach of my grace. And I feel like God sent me to you today to say, and let you know that there's nothing you've done in your life that is outside the reach of the grace of God and the kindness of God and the mercy of God. Come on, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Even when I am faithless, He's faithful. So if you've had a Friday moment, he says, let you know too. Let you know too that he's got a plan for you. That he invites you into this journey. Not just to know him, 
Christianity isn't about fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. It's two syllables where I grew up. Hail. <laughs> East Tennessee's two syllables. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. It's that you would know him. He, he wants to help set you free from all of the pain of your yesterdays so that you can fulfill all the purpose he has for you in all of your tomorrows. He just doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you, doesn't want you to just celebrate Easter. He wants you to experience Easter. And that's my invitation to you today, is to invite you on the journey. My, my desire isn't that you come on Easter Sunday, it's that you come every Sunday and you enter a journey of knowing God, of finding freedom from all your yesterdays, of discovering the purpose and the plan he has for all of your tomorrows. It's a journey. And so what do we do? Let me give you two thoughts. You with me? Say amen. amen. Two thoughts. Number one is this, is stop doubting. Stop doubting. I'd make a great counselor, I think. Well, I'm doing this and this. We'll stop it. <laughs> Let's schedule our next session. I'm kidding. <laughs> Let me say it this way, it doesn't fit as good on a screen. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Because the Bible says this, it says without faith it's impossible to please God. And if we come to him, we've gotta, we've gotta what? We've gotta believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm gonna stop believing the lie of the enemy. Listen to me, I'm not asking you to put faith in you because that doesn't work and a lot of you know it. I'm asking you to put your faith in God. Amen. Here's what I'm asking you to do is to say, God, I can't fix this thing in my life, but I believe that you can. God, I can't resolve the issues in my marriage, but I believe that you can. God, I'm gonna stop doubting that, that I'm gonna stop believing the lie of the enemy that, that where I am in life is just my lot in life and it's just gonna forever be this way and I'm constantly gonna deal with this. I'm gonna constantly face this. I'm just on a merry-go-round of life and the faces change and the names change but it's just kind of the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and this is just how I have to live. I just wanna silence the lie of the enemy and go, no, God is greater. He can do exceedingly abundantly and above anything that you ask or imagine, it's possible in your life. And so stop doubting, but number two, I'd invite you to start living. Some of you are breathing, but you're not living. You're here, and you've been on the planet a long time, but you're not living. Because there's something dead inside of you. The Bible says this, that God is rich in mercy. Isn't that great news? He's rich in mercy. In other words, he doesn't run out. In other words, there's no allotment and he's like, you've hit your allotment for your lifetime, sorry, hate to be you. No, he's, got a, he's rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. Can I just say that to you? Some of you need to hear that. God loves you so much. Like so much. Like unlike any other love you've ever had on this earth. God loves you so much. 
that even though we were dead because of our sin, there it is again, we're dead. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I wanna invite you to start living. Start living. To let resurrection power come into your life. To let death work backwards. Because we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Because we've all sinned. And that's not a condemning statement. It's just, it's the reality of the human condition, is it not? I mean, if you don't think we're all born with sin, you've never been around a toddler. You've never had someone cut their eyes at you tell you no. You tell them to do something and they look at you and they touch it anyways. We're not mistakers who make mistakes. A mistake implies accident. We're sinners who sin. Some of us plan our stuff. When I get to work, I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. Direct message me on social so my wife doesn't see it. Some of us, plan, we plan our sins because we're all sinners who sin. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. That's eternal separation from a loving God. He never admitted to be that way. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life and it's found in Jesus alone. It's a gift. You know the thing about a gift is you don't, you just receive a gift. You don't pay for it. I mean, no one's ever given me a gift and I haven't been like, let me Google the value of this and, uh, and then I'll Venmo you or I'll Apple Pay you, you know, whatever. No, that would be offensive, right? And some of you, you spent your life doing religious things, trying to Venmo God payment for salvation. It doesn't work that way. It's a gift, you receive it. Do you serve him? Yeah, but out of love. Do I wanna live for him? Yeah, but out of response to his great grace in my life, I'm not trying to pay him anything. It's a gift and it's found only in Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus wasn't just making a definitive statement about Christianity. He was saying, you don't come to the Father through your best works. You don't come to the Father through turning over a new leaf. You don't come to, you only get to the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. So I ask you again, are you celebrating Easter or have you experienced Easter? If you've never experienced it, I wanna invite you to. The Bible says the way we receive this free gift it's by faith. Paul wrote it this way. He said, if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, he's in control. And believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, the resurrection. That's why this is so important. Then we will be saved. You can have a fresh start, a brand new beginning today. You can know today. You can have confidence leaving today. I start living today. So I'm going to ask everyone, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes with me. There's nobody looking around at any of our locations. If you're able to, wherever you're at online. Wouldn't embarrass you for the world. No one's gonna come to you. No one's gonna point you out in any way.
But if you'd say, Pastor, I've celebrated Easter, but I don't know that I've experienced it the way you're talking about it. I don't know that I know. I don't know that I'm confident I have peace with God. But you can. You don't have to be afraid of that. You can have the confidence. You can begin the journey with Jesus today. And so in a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical in the prayer. It's just me helping you talk to God and express to him what we just talked about, that you make him Lord today and that you believe in your heart of the resurrection, that you're inviting resurrection power to come into your life and change you forever and for good. So I'm gonna ask all of us to pray this out loud for the benefit of those praying for the first time. So every location, even online, will you join me in praying this? Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. Today I start living in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision today. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also wanna encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, by visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text message on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword fully alive to 77977. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.